Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Blog Talk Radio. Hey guys, Kevin coming to you with the Finsider Podcast once again. It's Thursday night. It's uh, going to be our final Thursday night podcast. As starting next week, we're going to go ahead and move over to Wednesday nights to get out of the way of Thursday night football. If you want to give us a call, you can reach us at 347-326-9461. Or you can tweet to us using hashtag Finsider. We'll take your calls. We'll talk anything Miami Dolphins that you guys want to talk about. Go ahead and welcome in James, my producer. James, how are you tonight? I'm all right. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Another Thursday. We're back into week two already of the season. The NFL season is just way too short. But we'll uh, we'll get to see some Dolphins football here in a few days, and we should all be straight and ready to go. Hopefully it's a better game than last week. But before we get into that, let's go ahead and welcome in our other co-host, Duke, how are you tonight? I'm good. That still cracks me up. Do those trumpets sound a little sick there at the end? Yeah, they, they, yeah, they kind of wobble off there at the end. Yeah, that was uh, that was interesting tonight. I don't know if I've just never noticed how uh, much they play with that note there at the end, but that was kind of weird. But so, uh, okay, so Dolphins football. What's your guys' reaction to Thursdays or Thursdays last Sundays? Um, 
We'll just go with loss. <laughs> it's the end of the world. We're terrible. Fire everybody. Cut all of our players. That sounds about right. Okay. That sounds that sounds fair. I'll, I'll go with that. Um. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, it was a. There were some there were some positives and some negatives. So, you know, I mean, it got to the point for me that I had to cut Twitter off because there were so many people on there that were just saying stupid stuff that I was like, I can't. I said, you know, it's one game, and there were some issues, but it's one game. Come on. Exactly. It just it, it's it's one game. It's one game against a team that a lot of people, including me, thinks going to the Super Bowl. I have them winning the Super Bowl this year. So then again, I had them winning the Super Bowl last year too, and we saw how that did. Uh, <laughs> but this is a good Houston Texans team, and the fact that the Dolphins went in there and. Other than really six and a half minutes in the second quarter, the Dolphins went toe-to-toe with them and didn't play badly. They weren't ever going to win that game. I, I I don't see it as, oh, if that six and a half minutes hadn't happened, the Dolphins would have won. But I don't think it would have been 30-10 to 10 either. So I think um, I think the Dolphins actually did well. I think there's a lot of positives to come out of it. Of course, there are negatives also. Tannehill has to get the ball not into a defender's hand. Um, that's the, There's several reasons behind that. CT posted a great post earlier this week looking at all the different reasons behind why those balls are getting tipped. And really, part of it is the offensive line. They need to make sure that they're getting their guys down, whether that's cut blocking, whether that's just hitting them so that they can't get their hands up, whatever it is. They've got to do that. Part of that is Tannehill. Um, I know it's a quick pass that he's trying to do. On most of those, it was three-step drop, and that ball is coming out. So it's not like he's going through a lot of progression. But at the same time, I was sitting in the si- on the in the stands on one of those plays, and before the snap, I went, "He's going to get this pass blocked," and he dropped back, and the pass got blocked. And it's I, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know how I knew that, and I don't I don't play football, but yeah, he can he locked on to I think it was he was trying to get a slant to Devon Bess on the play, but um he he can't lock on to receivers, and then the last thing is just play calling. I mean, Mike Sherman has to get better play calling in there and vary it up so that it's not snap three step drop snap three step drop snap three step drop punt. Snap three tra- step drop. He he's got to vary it up. Um, get the ball higher from Tannehill. Let him take more shots downfield, which will make it so that the uh, linemen don't feel like all they have to do is push back the offensive line and get their hands up. Make them feel like they've got to get back there and get a sack. <laughs> Maybe that'll help out. We'll we'll see. I th- I think that they will. We will see a difference. This week, of course, yesterday, uh, Dolphins went out for practice. First passing play at practice, Cam Wake tips the ball. So <laughs> it was kind of uh, kind of fitting that that would be the first pack pla- pass play. Well, I can't talk all of a sudden. But um, I think 
I, I do. I think that the the Dolphins are going to. We're going to see a difference in the passing game this week. I don't know if it'll be like a huge difference, but I think it'll be enough that we will see a difference. <sighs> what about our receivers, guys? You got any hope with any of them? I think our line looked right okay at a reserve reserve okay, sure. role. Both of you, both of you decide not to talk, then you both talk at the same time. I see how it is. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, Chris, go. Um, I don't see any any change in them right now. Uh, I think as the season progresses and Tannehill gets better and Harline gets back up to game speed and Armstrong gets. <laughs> Into uh, gets into a rhythm with the offense. I think we'll see it pick up a little bit then. Um, but right now, this is. I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of plays like we saw Sunday with uh, uh, wrecking ball going, you know, catching screen passes, uh, Bush catching passes, Thomas Miller when he gets involved catching those little short passes. And seeing that kind of stuff more than we're going to see dynamic wide receiver play. Now, I did like what James was saying. I did like what I saw out of Brian Hartline. Um, he made some good adjustments on the ball, made some good catches, and I think once he gets back up to game speed, he's going to his his numbers will improve, and I think that will help our offense improve a lot. Uh, I don't I don't see him being you know some of the comparisons I've seen about being Jordy Nelson, I don't I don't see him being that, but I do see a guy that can get sixty catches, you know, between six and eight touchdowns if we if we use him right. Because you know, he's not you know, super athletic. He's not gonna he's not gonna go there and do what Andre Johnson does, but he can get open. He's a savvy route runner and you know, for the most part he's fairly reliable. Hello? Hello. <laughs> oh, that was uh, that was fun. Um, yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I think that's what the team is looking for. I know somebody was asking me, um, I think on Twitter they're asking somebody about who do the Dolphins go after? What veteran wide receiver do they go after? How do they bring somebody in? And I don't think they do now. I think this team is fairly set at wide receiver. Unless somebody somewhere suddenly falls out of the sky, I think this team is set, and they're going to hope that Brian Hartline can get back into game shape and perform like we all hoped he would coming into this season. And I think they want to see what Anthony Armstrong can bring. And if those two can start to contribute – that takes some of the pressure off of Devon Bess, and now you have three decent wide receivers. This team isn't built to be a Brandon Marshall 120 catches and Devon Bess with 60-type team. It's a team that's going to have three or four guys that are in the 40, 50, 60-catch range. So we'll see how it goes from here but I don't think that we're going to see the Dolphins make a wide receiver move at this point. I think it's too late. They're happy with what they've got, and they're just going to keep going with what they've got. Yeah, and I think that the biggest need at wide receiver, more than a than a guy who's 
you know, a number one like a Calvin Johnson tie for whatever, and, you know, a lot of fans, that's what they want. What we need is a reliable guy who can get open deep and beat people deep. And I don't know, I think that's what they're envisioning right now that Armstrong can do, but I don't, you know, he's not somebody I'd say he's a reliable uh, a threat that can do that. We do need someone, and depends where we're picking in the draft, a guy like, say, uh, you know, Robert Woods or somebody who, who's got the deep speed that can run various routes and get open deep like that. And that's something that we're missing because what's going to happen is if we don't have guys that can do that consistently, then, then the safeties are never going to have to honor that. And they can just sit back there and let the corners, you know, do their thing and jump routes and things like that. And so, I, you know, and I don't think Hartline is that guy either. I don't. I, I think he's more of a guy that you play on the outside that that uh, can make those sideline catches and the out out breaking routes. Uh, we need a guy that can challenge challenge deep and challenge the middle of the field. And uh, you know, I, and that's and it may be something we go after next year in free agency. Uh, maybe a guy like Dwayne Bow or something. Or Greg yeah. Kenny. I, th- I think you're right. I think um, I think Hartline has the speed to be a deep threat, but he's not going to be a deep threat every single down. He is more of that sideline guy. He can burn you deep occasionally, whereas I think you're right. They they want Armstrong to become that deep threat, and he has the speed to do it. It's just a matter of getting him some chemistry with uh, Ryan Tannehill right now. Because that deep ball during the Texans game, that was a pretty ball. It was a great route. It just you could tell the two of them weren't quite sure how what the other was doing yet. So uh, that'll come with time. James, you want to comment on receivers? No, I'm good. Okay, well never mind then. Fine. Man, I want to go back to. Uh... Don't be too talkative over there, James. Sorry, I was. I was doing like two other things. I wasn't paying attention. So. <laughs> I want to go back to what you're talking about with the offensive line for a minute. Uh, I, I've been rewatching the game. I started watching it some rewatching it again last night. And on the very first tipped pass, it was that pass where um, it got tipped and Fasano makes a great play and makes right. a catch on it. Yep. I was watching the replay on, on the game and. J.J. Watt is lined up against Long. Long comes out of his, uh, Long comes out of the snap. You know, blocks him. Watt has no chance at this point. He backs up three steps and, and tips that pass. It was, it was almost. I mean, and they were talking about this that you know, they know if they can't get there, get their hands up and get in the passing lane. And to be honest, I don't know if there was anything Long could have done at that point because J.J. Watt just backed up like he was actually in coverage. He, he rushed, couldn't get there, dropped three steps back, and was there in the passing lane. And and that's kind of on Tannehill a little bit to to recognize that. Yeah. But, I mean, that to me is more of just a good play by them. It was, yep. Uh, rather than anything that we did as a mistake because he knew he wasn't going to – he wasn't going to get there in time and just – you know, he, he made a play on it. Um, but I do agree with what CT was talking about with the offensive line. Those guys, I don't think, did a good enough job um, preventing things like that from happening and taking out the off- taking out the defensive line so that they couldn't do that. 
And I know I was screaming during the game there. I was like, somebody cut block these guys. You know, I've always heard that cut blocking was a, you know, something that you did a lot of in the zone blocking scheme. And I was thinking, you know, if Jonathan Martin, whoever just kind of dives, dives on the ground and makes him, you know, makes him protect himself, there's the open passing lane. I didn't, I didn't see that. So I don't know if that's a, you know, Philbin doesn't want that kind of thing or they just, I don't know, weren't planning on that. I don't know. But I, I was thinking they should have used that a little bit more to their advantage. Right. Hey, guys, if you want to give us a call, talk about anything Dolphins that you want to, we uh, love to take your calls because it lets us have more to talk about than whatever we want to babble about. Give us a call at 347-326-9461. That's 347-326-9461. You can also join us in our live thread on thefinsider.com or tweet to us using hashtag Finsider. Talk to you about anything you guys want to know, anything you want to talk about, whether it's the Raiders, the Texans, something random about the Dolphins, whatever it is you guys want to bring up. Okay, throughout the week, we've heard all this fun um, about Richie Incognito and his dirty play trying to break Antonio Smith's ankle. And, of course, it's going to get blown out of proportion, I think, because it's incognito. And he has that reputation of being a dirty player. He's had it since being back with the Rams. And if... uh... Oh, I didn't know that. Sorry. Uh, Mike Pereira, the former head of NFL officiating, just sent out a tweet that I was reading at the same time. Sorry. Um, Apparently, the new rule that the NFL has about 12 men on the field if all 12 are on the field and in the formation, the play is blown dead. But if the 12th man is running off, the play continues. And then they just tack on the penalty afterwards, I guess. So, interesting. Didn't know that. Now I do for this weekend. But, okay. So, Incognito, apparently, if you guys have not heard, uh, on the Daniel Thomas fumble, uh, Antonio Smith and Richie Incognito are blocking. They both are now on the ground, and Thomas fumbles. You see Incognito grab Smith's leg. He's now holding his leg under his body. At some point in there, Smith says Incognito started trying to twist and wrench his ankle to break it. All you see is Smith start trying to kick at Incognito's head and neck and shoulders, and Incognito starting to roll back and forth trying to protect himself. Now, could he have been twisting it? Sure. I don't know. The fact that there are refs there and no flag flew on Incognito, nor did a flag fly on Smith kicking Incognito, that I don't know. But I think this is – I think this is – Smith trying to I, – I, I don't know what Smith's trying to do. It just seems like it would be something that would come out after a loss that, oh, they played dirty, but it came out after a win, and I don't know. Um, could Incognito have done it? Sure. I'm not saying he didn't do it absolutely 100%, but his version of the story makes sense with the play on the field. He says, I saw the fumble. I knew I had to grab in, grab Smith and hold him back from getting to the ball. Should I have been called for a 10-yard penalty? Sure, it was holding. But did I do anything to try to hurt him, or have I ever intentionally gone out and tried to hurt somebody? No. So, I don't know. 
it's just interesting. But yep. it'll blow over in just a day or so more. You know my theory on it? What's that? Is it is it everybody said, Well, why would he make that up? Well he knew that he was that he was being held and he was kicking him. Yeah. Um, kicking at him. And surely one of his coaches or someone on the sideline or someone in the booth saw that and said something to him and he had and he was probably afraid that was gonna make it to the league and he was right. gonna get fined for doing that and so that was his excuse to cover for himself. At least that's my theory. You know, if 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 in fact there wasn't twisting going on. Yeah, I think um, from what I've heard, and I haven't seen it reported anywhere official, so I haven't said anything about it. But from what I've heard is the Texans sent in the film of that play specifically because Smith said, oh, he was trying to break my ankle. And meanwhile, the Dolphins sent in three or four plays where they said Smith was taking cheap shots at incognito. So I think Philbin, Philbin said something about it in his uh, – quotes in his press conference yesterday that they had uh, sent in film and they hadn't heard back from the league yet. But he didn't say film of what or of whom. So, interesting. Um, it'll Like I said, it'll blow over. We're into week two now. People start forgetting about it and by the end of the season, nobody will actually remember what happened. But Oh, the Texans will. <laughs> oh, yeah, but <laughs> they won't. Tim Tebow on it. Yeah. A lot of tweets coming out right now, and Ben Bolin is one of them. I don't have NFL Network because I'm a Time Warner um, person, but I uh, – I, so I'm not watching the game right now. But a lot of what um, the tweets are saying is that the Packers offense seems to look like it kind of misses its offensive coordinator. So I don't know – I think the I guess the Packers are struggling a little bit right now and that they're saying that maybe it's the fact that they don't have Joe Philbin. So interesting. interesting. Yeah. I'll uh I'll watch the game later. I'll do the game rewind from NFL dot com. Not to plug them or anything. But <laughs> but yeah, yeah I'll watch and, it and uh, see what happens. And- they just flashed a little thing across the screen that says Marshall has no catches tonight. Nice. So, uh, yeah, I'm kind of watching. I haven't really been paying attention to the to their offense, but I kind of noticed that last week, and I think it's, uh, you know, even though Philbin didn't call the plays, it's the game planning, and I think that that's, you know, just watching from hard knocks, he seems like the kind of guy that would, you know, it's meticulous and would have that stuff nailed down. So it may be that whoever's doing that now just is a little rusty or just not as good. Either way, um, you know, they are looking, you know, it, it, it has a little different look to it. It looks like they are struggling a little bit. And, of course, they're missing Greg Jennings, and they just had a a beautiful Aaron Rodgers pass go right through the fingertips of Jordy Nelson on like a 20, 30-yard yeah. play. Would have helped that, out, so. And I've seen the um, SB Nation loves to put out gifts and uh, everything, and I've seen the one of uh, Rodgers dropping back and the ball just flying out the back of his hand. And then they've been there's been tweets left, right, and center about the fact that the Packers are playing like Dolphins receivers. So... Ooh. Little, uh, I don't know what's going on, but apparently Packers can't exactly hold on to the ball tonight. 
and speaking of uh, SB Nation and GIFs, I saw on Cat Scratch Reader uh, a couple weeks ago they that SB Nation did GIFs of every team, and it, it was comedy, yeah. um, comedic riffs. I don't know if you saw that or not, but the one they had for the Dolphins was pretty funny. It had this guy. He was... It looked like he was somebody was doing. He was standing kind of next to a doorway, just kind of dancing and making these moves, or he was doing like karate or something. I don't know. Anyway, he makes a move and kicks right as a cat walks in and kicks the cat oh. right into the camera. So, <laughs> <laughs> I did see that. That's right. Yeah. Now that you say that, yep. <laughs> now I'm gonna picture that the rest of the night. That's awesome. <laughs> But, I don't know how that signifies what the Dolphins <laughs> were going through or were going to go through this season, but it was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, so, well, since uh, we've talked the Houston game, let's go ahead and transition over to this week with the Raiders coming to town. I, I honestly think that the Dolphins come away from this with a win. I, I, I don't like the Raiders... I don't I don't see anything in them that I know that they are the one of the dark horse picks to make the playoffs this year and I just don't see it. I I haven't watched the game last week, so maybe I need to and get an idea of exactly what Carson Palmer is bringing. But going from a late Monday night game starting at 10:15 p.m to a early Sunday game on the East Coast with all the travel time, and then add in the fact that they're going to be playing in their black jerseys as the Dolphins go to white this week for the first time in the year. And that's going to sap more energy out of them. I I think this is the Dolphins game this week. I think the key to this game for the Dolphins is uh, is I think it, it's not going to be so much on our offense. It's going to be how our defense plays. Yeah. I think that if we, I think we're going to do fine in the run game. I, you know, I think we held, you know, one of the league's best rushing attacks to under 100 yards, and yet they scored a couple of touchdowns. But that was because we gave them perfect field position. So, yeah. you know, we played great against their their run offense, even at the end when they had to run. And, you know, I think we're going to do well there. If we can control their passing attack, and uh, namely uh, guys going across the middle, that was, you know, pretty awful, I thought, last week. And I know that probably had to do with, you know, Dan's being, those guys being a little rusty, but the middle of the field just looked wide open to me on TV. And uh, so hopefully if they can get that cleaned up, and I think Sean Smith kind of stepped it up toward the end of the game last week, started playing a little better. Right. If those guys can control that passing game, then I think that, you know, I think our offense can do well enough against their defense to score some points, and I think we can come away with a win. Now, if we start letting them just pass the ball all over us, then it's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough game. I think uh, – I, I think – you're right. I think Smith did step it up. I really I, – I talked earlier today with um, ESPN 1040 in Tampa, and they – one of the things they asked was, 
was, was there anything positive to, to take out of the Texans game? And one of the things I pointed out was that Andre Johnson was not Andre Johnson. He was a very good receiver. He went over 100 yards. I got it. But he was not Andre Johnson. I mean, he did not dominate that game. And the fact that the Dolphins secondary, which is the weakest part of the defense, was able to hold him like that, that makes me happy. Sean Smith played a really good game. Um, the Clearly, the Dolphins have got to figure out this covering a tight end thing. I mean, it's like four different coaching staffs and all kinds of different players by now, and still tight ends kill us, and I don't know why. But that that's got to be think, what they fix. I think that's going to be something that you know everybody's talking about. You know, looking at things in the draft, getting a corner, getting a safety, getting a wide receiver. But depending on where we draft and what we do, uh, and, and who's calling the draft, Jeff Ireland's back calling the draft. It wouldn't surprise me if we have a really high pick to trade down and pick up a linebacker, pick up a, a, a guy like Teo from Notre Dame or somebody that you know can play that middle linebacker position, can cover, uh, and not and, – and, you know, I just think one thing, Dancy's making a whole lot of money, and, and he's not showing a great deal for that, in my opinion, not for the money we're paying him. And plus he's going to be – he's on the wrong side of 30, and he's, you know, I know he's a little rusty and coming back, so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. But if he keeps this up, you know, for, for, for an extended period of time, then it may be – you know, time to say, hey, you know, maybe he just his his body's failing him now, and and I know his age is not old by any means, but in football terms, it is. So uh, I think it was Parcells that said I, I heard something that said he has a rule about linebackers that after they reach the age of 32, that they're you know they go downhill fast from there. So I don't know, but that worries me about him. So I can see us using a high pick next year with one of the the five that we have in the top three rounds to, to get a, a linebacker, a, a good outside linebacker, uh, or a good middle linebacker. Yeah, I, I could. Um, I think I think your your opening was the, the way I'm looking at the draft this year is probably we go corner in the first round, um, probably go receiver receiver in the second round, and then the third round. I'm not against taking a running back at that point, especially if Daniel Thomas continues to have health issues. And I'm not saying that a concussion is something he could have avoided. I mean, there's nothing you can do. If you're going to get hit in the head and it's going to cause a concussion, there's nothing you can do to prevent that. So I'm not trying to say it's his fault, but if he's going to continue to have health issues, the Dolphins are going to need to find a power back because I really don't think Reggie Bush comes back this year or after this year, I think Lamar Miller takes that role, and then we need a power back to offset Lamar Miller. So I think uh, I think that could be where we go. Uh, just looking it up real quick, uh, currently this year, Carlos Stansby is a $10.7 million cap hit. Next year, he drops down to 7.9. So that's $3 million more this year it costs to have him than it will next year. The year after that, it jumps back up to 10.9. So he may be around for another year simply because at 7.9, he's not as expensive as he is this year. So we'll yeah, see. Definitely could be at 
uh, 7.9. He could definitely be trade bait at that. Yeah. Uh, if if that was how they inclined to do that, but um, you know, I, I could see us taking another running back. Uh, I like our, I like our stable of running backs right now. I like I like what Pig Tim brings. Uh, you know, in the return game, as we yep. saw with the, the return touchdown, he shows explosiveness uh, on kickoff returns and punt returns. So I like what he's doing there. I, I think you know it's kind of tough about Bush because. You know, he's going to be a little bit higher priced. And you did bring in Lamar Miller, but right now Bush is the best player on offense. Oh, yeah. He, he's, he's the leader of that offense. He's he's the guy, you know, they were showing on hard knocks. Here he is, you know, out there in the in the Florida heat, you know, running up and down the field with a sled and, and all that stuff. And, you know, unless he just gets injured or just does not produce as much this year, I think he's a guy that you almost have to bring back because, He's, in, until Tannehill becomes the guy, he Bush is the identity of the offense, right. and he's, you know, I just don't think you, in my opinion, I, I wouldn't get rid of that unless, you know, unless Lamar Miller comes out this week and just, you know, runs for 250 yards and just dominates or something, and then does that the rest of the season. You're like, yeah, well, maybe Bush is expendable now, but, but I, yeah. I kind of agree with that draft. I think we could have take a corner early. I think we're going to get a receiver in free agency and in the draft. Uh, I think we pick up another offensive lineman probably in the second or third round. And then, you know, we need a safety in there somewhere. Uh, Jones is okay. Clemens is, you know, just he's there. So, uh, What bothers me is Jimmy Wilson. I really think that he could be a good safety. I really think he could be a good corner. I'm worried about doing the Jason Allen to him. He's a corner, he's a safety, he's a corner, he's a safety, he's a corner, he's a safety, and he never develops into anything. Yeah. So, I mean, look, Jason Allen, once he settled in as a corner in Houston, he was decent last year. He's, where is he now? In Cincinnati. Cincinnati, that's right, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that if we stop jerking him around between positions, he could develop into a really good player at either position. I really like the idea of him back there at safety because if he could play free safety and just roam back there and play center field, he could be a ball hawk, but we'll see. I don't know. I guess they'll uh, they'll figure something and, out. Right now he has to play corner because we just don't have anybody. And I think that he, you know, with defenses in today's NFL – you know, your free safety has to come up and play some man coverage at times. So him having a corner, yeah. a little bit of a corner background helps with that. But I agree, I think safety is his, his main position because, you know, he did give up a big play to Andre Johnson. And, that you know, Andre Johnson's going to do that to, to most people. So I'm not going to mm-hmm. do that against, you know, Wilson. But, yeah, I think, he, I think he's got some room to grow back there. You know, this is his second year. And, you know, a lot of guys have that sophomore slump. So hopefully he can come out of that. But, uh yeah, we definitely need some help back there. So I see us attacking that pretty early in the draft and and other things. So. I think yeah, I I think the number of picks that we have early on this year is going to be huge. I mean, we're going to have the flexibility to do a lot of things, whether it's trading around, whether it's taking a bunch of different players. We'll have the ability to make some moves and do something good. Yeah, and, and another position not to rule out is pass rusher. 
Yes, uh, absolutely. Got a couple of facts, um, and maybe you know, as the team kind of gets gets its gets rolling with this new defensive scheme, that'll pick up. But um, to me, it looked like Matt Schaub just had way too much time uh, back there in the pocket to, to throw the ball wherever he wanted to, and we weren't pressuring him enough. Now yeah. I like what starts. I like the idea of getting pass rush up the middle because that does, you know, disrupt the pocket even more than outside pass rush sometimes. But, um, you know, just if they're doubling Wake, you know, somebody else is going to have to step up, and I didn't see that. So I'm hoping we'll see some of that this year. If not, that might be a big target for next year's to go after a, a, an elite pass rusher early in the draft. I think I think that's a big possibility. Um, I, I still think Odrick can do some good things. I, I'm hoping Vernon will develop and be able to do some good things. But you're right. Pass rush early is definitely a possibility. Um, I think I, you're right. We did get – it was three or four hits on Schaub. Um, we were able to pressure him decently, but it seemed like our pressure was always like one step too late. It was he, he had exactly enough time to get rid of the ball, and part of that was Wake was double teamed for most of the game. But that's what Odrick and Vernon are supposed to alleviate. Is if Wake is getting double teamed, they need to be able to get to Schaub or Carson Palmer or whoever else it is. And from what, I, from what I've read about the game, um, I haven't seen him yet. I've tried to watch for him, but I heard that the, that the Shelby was able to get some pressure. So, and you know, he's an undrafted rookie. So, hopefully, he's a guy that can develop and keep developing, and maybe you know, he's a a, a diamond in the rough for us as a pass rusher. So, I like what I saw out of him in the preseason. And speaking of, of, of pass rushing, there have been seven sacks in this game right now. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to go. I am not going to go too far out on a limb and say that Michael Strahan's sack, single season sack record may not be in danger this year. Clay Matthews already has two this game, um, and the Packers have given up four sacks. Cutler got crushed a minute ago, and he walked off the field yelling at his uh, offensive lineman for doing that. So uh, for allowing that to happen. So yeah, seven sacks already. So. Dolphins need to step it up a little bit. They need to join this this club. <laughs> yeah, more than two of the game. Interestingly, or interesting. Sorry, I don't know where interestingly came from. Apparently, uh, there was a Atlas rocket launch today, and one of the authors of an NBA blog within the uh, SB Nation company, because it's the league manager from the NBA side of the house that sent out the email. It's actually his rocket. He's a rocket scientist, and it's actually his rocket that launched today. It's pretty cool. Sorry, reading emails from uh, from the league office or from the home office. Yeah, I'll, I'll do the David Letterman from the home office. <laughs> but, yeah, so let's see. Cutler so far... Three for five for 15 yards in the first half. So, yeah, that's a pretty good day. Uh, yeah, neither one of these offenses are looking, are looking sharp. Uh, I mean, Green Bay just had a big play a minute ago on like a little 
a little pass to like a screen pass or something to Randall Cobb, and he broke down the field and and got close. Uh, and then of course, like the next player, the player right after that was when he got sacked. So, uh, you know, and you, and you watch a game like this, or you watch this stuff going around, and you see, you know, guys picking up teams picking up five or six sacks a game or something like that. And it makes you sit there and think, maybe, you know, maybe maybe signing Jake Long is not that not not that bad of an idea, even if it will be expensive. Yep. It's yeah. <sighs> yeah, I think I think Long has to stay. I, I I'm all for him staying. I hate the idea of how much money it's going to cost us, but I think you're right. I think he has to stay because. I mean, yeah. you, you look at the Giants and what they do with their pass rush, and that's going to be the model for the league. So having multiple defensive ends, essentially, that are speed rushers coming at you and then can bull rush you and everything, that's going to be the norm for the league here in a year or two. And unless the Dolphins have an offensive line that can protect it, it's it, it's going to be miserable for Ryan Tannehill. And, yeah, and Jake I'll- Long is the man. Yeah, and I was listening, you know, I didn't get into that on the, the last podcast in that discussion with uh, Dolphin Fan for Life. I didn't get into it as much. But I had, the next day, of course, uh, I, I thought of some some rebuttals, I guess, because that's what happens to me. But number <laughs> one, he was talking about, he was talking about, I said, well, we don't want to pay Jake Long this amount of money. And my question is, well, is it, and the Packers just scored on a trick play. Awesome. Um, Touchdown? It, so, uh, so seven, seven three now. And uh, ten. Or is that ten nothing? Ten nothing. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, my my counter that was well, if you're not paying Jake Long ten mil or twelve million a year, who are you paying that twelve million a year? You can't just let it sit there. Right. So, you know, you don't want to go into the offseason. You don't want to go. You know, when when teams are, you know, cutting guys. You, the waiver wire picks or whatever you don't you don't want to have twenty three million in cap space then it doesn't do you any good. There's nobody out there worth that. So if you're if you're going to pay somebody that kind of money, who are you going to pay? Are you going to pay overpay a wide receiver like a Mike Wallace or somebody and give them that money? Because I don't think they're worth that, money, in my opinion. So you know if you're not paying him, who are you going to pay? Well, you know right. if you if you're going to get four or five really good players or two or three really good players for that same kind of price, maybe. But if you're going after one guy and say, well, I'm not going to pay Jake $12 million a year, but I'm going to pay this guy $10 million a year, you know, I'm not I'm not down with that if you're, you know, if that guy I don't think you know, at the same caliber of player as long. And the other part of that was everybody says, well, we can draft a guy or move Martin over or whatever, and we can pay him the rookie salary now that those are – Better, but look at every left tackle that's come out since since the 2008 draft. Can you, I mean, name a guy who has just been completely awesome? You're like, man, this guy's a, a good left tackle. Most of the ones that I can think of are average or worse since it's come out and since then. Um, so, I mean, when you say that, you're, you're letting a proven guy walk so you can pay another guy more money than he's probably worth. And then hoping you draft a guy that can be, you know, play at a similar level 
but you really don't know. So in my opinion, you're, you know, trading Marshall is one thing. You're creating a hole that you didn't need. But doing something like that, you're, you're in, a, in a sense, creating two holes because you're, you know, you're, you're still killing your cap, overpaying a guy, and you're giving up a proven talent at a very important, very extensive position for an unknown quantity. And I, I'm just not cool with that. Yeah, you're right. Jason Taylor just tweeted out, um, the punter throws the first touchdown in a game with two Pro Bowl quarterbacks. Shake my head. <laughs> uh, I I posted up on Twitter three minutes ago because it tells me on my timeline um, who will be the Dolphins' leader in receptions this week in this week's game, and I've gotten one Devon Best and two Reggie Bush responses so far. So, what do you guys answer? I would I would think after last week it was Hartline and he was in a reserve role, um, depending on. Whether or not they start him, probably him again. Yeah, I'm going with Hartline. On the poll on the side the other day, that's who I voted for. I think he'll, you know, I don't see, I see him get maybe six or seven, which I think will be enough to, to lead the team. Uh, I'm probably going to go best. Um, I think I think the the offense will start to move towards best centric. I, th- I think you're going to see Best start to take on more and more of a Wes Welker type role, even though Wes Welker seems to be taking on less and less of a Wes Welker type role. So, <laughs> yeah, I think, and I think if that happens, more teams will start keying on him. That's when other guys will have to step up. But I, I want to say that I want to say that the re- my, the main reason we'll pick Hartline is because I think that we're, we're not going to go away from the short passes, but I think now that, you know, that it's been on pro football talk that J.J. Watt got all the stuff off hard knocks or whatever, and people are talking about it. And the way that happened last week, and if it's just a couple of batted passes, that's one thing. But three batted passes that ended up being uh, two of them interceptions, you know, I think the Raiders will probably key on some of that. So I think that Heartline will get a few more looks because they're not going to be throwing the, you know, shorter slant patterns as much. I think they're going to try to work some some quicker uh, or some intermediate out routes kind of stuff, and that's where I think he will flourish. By the way, that's the first fake field goal for a touchdown against the Bears since 1993. Just random things popping up on Twitter right now. <laughs> Uh, our gift guy is not in the uh, is is not posting gifts right now. I was hoping they'd have one of the uh, touchdown. I, I like that they're under two minutes and Chicago's got a grand total of twenty five yards. Yeah, and almost an entire half. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I picked them this week. That's why. If you look at <sighs> if you look at my picks, that apparently I'm really bad. I don't know what's happening, but I'm not I'm not liking the start to this year. I'm usually pretty good. I wasn't I was happy with last week, but I think I had I was seven and nine too, so it it's hard the first week. You don't know who's gonna do what yet. Yeah. Uh, and uh Duke decided not to play with us. Yeah, way to go, Duke. <laughs> yeah, I guess all that. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's okay. Um, I kind of got roped into a fantasy football league. I wasn't going to do that this year, but ended up uh, getting talked into one and had a – I completely missed the draft and all of that. I ended up with a decent team, but I don't know. I, I don't get into all that extra stuff. I, I'm kind of <laughs> just focused on what to watch. And I was so excited Sunday that whenever the Dolphins had the ball, I couldn't sit down. I would try to sit down, and I was wanting to post on the site and everything else, comment with everybody else, and as soon as – you know, Tannehill would go back there in the shotgun and make it a little motion. But I had yeah. to stop and that. It was it was too much. I uh, I I ended up in eleven, eleven or twelve fantasy leagues this year. I'm not happy about that. I don't know how it happened. Good grief! Yeah, well, five of them are five of them are open leagues from the site. One is the official one from the site. So that's six. One of them is the Xfinity Comcast Market uh, SB Nation bloggers. We all did one. So that's seven. One is um, a league of all the Dolphins bloggers. We got together and did a league. So that's eight. Then I have two keeper leagues that I've always played in. That's nine and ten, and then I have one with my sister or my wife's cousin, so that's uh eleven, so yeah, I don't know. The I closest I get is watching the show the league that's all I, I can I can't do that again next year <laughs> when we do the uh open leagues when we do the open leagues next year, we're gonna have to have some other people uh just be the commissioner and start the leagues themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say with that kind of experience, when 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 it's time to you know leave the military, you could just get in there and take Jeff Island's job. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I've Plus, run like four million fantasy leagues, so I should be able to kind of little thing about drafting stuff. Plus the uh, the the uh, pick six thing, which if you guys aren't doing it, and if any of you guys listening aren't doing it, sign up for the pick six SB Nation pick six game. It's a uh, Real quick, easy, you pick six players, a quarterback, a receiver, a running back, a tight end, a kicker, and a flex player that is any of the positions except quarterback. You have $120 to start with. Uh, Each player is valued differently based on how they played and how popular they are as a pick. And you spend the $120. It takes about five minutes to make your picks. You, When you first sign up, you can select the Finsider as your home blog. And it'll set up a score or it sets up the leaderboard based on everybody that signed up as the Finsider as their home blog. And we play against each other. I, there's a post on there on the site. Uh, it's probably pushed far down the home page, if not onto the second page by now. Um, with this past week's results, I rocked out in 22nd out of 73 people who signed up. So, yeah, I was crushing it. Chris Johnson paid 50 cents for him and he got me about 25 cents worth of uh production. So uh, thought I found the steal with Chris Johnson only being 50 cents somehow. Yeah, that didn't work out so well. <laughs> but that's my uh pitch for SB Nation Pick 6. I like that game. It's fun. It's easy. It doesn't require a draft and all that kind of stuff. So Oh, there it is. Ha ha ha. The Packers fake field goal in a gif. 
Post it. There it is. Oh, that Post was it nice. So I can see it. Wow, that was really nice. Okay. Let's hope I stole that one from the Open's playbook. Going into, I'll putting it up in the live thread for the, um, for the this thing for the podcast. Color was just intercepted, by the way. Nice. Yeah, it's under it's under review, but it looks like a catch to me. Yep. So you've got you got the Packers going the other way on their on yep. the other side of the fifty again. So they may they may walk out here thirteen points. Bring out the punter. <laughs> Bring out the punter. <laughs> okay, I have a I have a question for you. What what yeah. to you out of week one uh was the biggest surprise? Uh, of all the games, to me, I think the biggest surprise was the high number of interceptions by guys that uh, probably should have known better. You know, I think we had Vic throwing four, and it could have been five. Uh, uh, Matthew Stafford had three, and then the rookies, of course, had a bunch. But uh, to me, it was just all these guys that were – you know, you think would be better quarterbacks than that, just throwing the ball to the other team. Way too much. I think mine was the 49ers just manhandling the Packers. Or, no, you know what? I take it back. Mine was the Jets manhandling the Bills. That's what it was. Because I honest, I still think the Jets are going to fall apart this year. I just I don't see it in them. I think they're going to fall apart. But where Tony Sperano came up with 44 points, I think it was in the end, I have no idea. Um, and the Bills were supposed to be a better defense this year, and that was just horrible. So that's probably my biggest surprise is the Jets figuring out how to score touchdowns. I don't know what Tony Sperano does for a touchdown celebration. I mean, I we had such little – viewing of touchdown celebrations when he was down here that I don't know. Does he fist pump? I don't know. Maybe it's a double fist pump. Maybe that's what it is. You know, and I think, you know, in all fairness to Sperano, I did not like him as a head coach. I thought he just, you know, I I did not like his approach to being a head coach. But as a coordinator, I think he might have some success. I think, you know, he fits that style. They like to run the ball. But I think – you know, in, in that position, not having to control everything, be the head guy, he can just focus on that one. He focuses on the whole offense, focuses on that part. I think he'll have success at that. Um, I just think that, you know, overall the overall lack of talent here in Miami at certain positions, uh, you know, the Chad Heaney not playing to the, you know, to the caliber we want him to play, just have kind of you know, undermine him a little bit. And and he made his mistakes as a head coach, you know. I think somebody said in the post of the day that it was, you know, almost all the way through the third quarter and we still had all three timeouts. Uh, and with Sperano, it seemed like we burned timeouts all the time when we didn't really need to. But I think as a coordinator, he'll, he'll, be, he'll be fine. Now, I agree with you. I think the Jets will implode and because they're the Jets and that's what they do. But I think yeah. I think he's got a chance to be a good coordinator. 
I think you're right. He he probably does. He I he he's he's the same thing as Bill Belichick, I think. I I'm not, he won't have the success of Bill Belichick because he won't stumble into a 6th round pick becoming Tom Brady, but he miserable in his first his first job, gets fired, goes off, disappears for a little while, and he'll come back and have a solid career. I mean, if Norv Turner can continually be hired and rehired and not lose his job in San Diego, then I think uh, Tony Sperano will get a second chance somewhere. But yeah, and I mean, if, if Sperano, I mean, and you know, people talk about oh, you know, Jeff Allen this, Jeff Allen that, and how bad our team is. But you know, a lot of people realize this team was built to win in 2010. 2010 was our window. We had Marshall, Dansby. Our defense was. Was good that year. If if Chad Henney had turned into a franchise quarterback, that was his second year starting, but it was his third year in the league. If he had become a franchise quarterback, we can make the playoffs that year. We, you know, we use the eleven draft, the twelve draft to improve other positions. We're not having to do this rebuild. Tony Sperano still head coach here, and we are. You know, not worried about this rebuild thing. I think it all kind of falls on the fact that we just didn't have the right quarterback. But we did have talent on the team that could have won. We just it all came with the quarterback, I guess. Yeah. Um, apparently, there is a Marshall Meter tweet or Twitter account that it's run by CSN Chicago, and they actually track. The, the the best part of it is um, their little blurb about who they are is Bears Talk CSN provides up-to-the-minute tweets on Bears wide receiver Brandon Marshall. You follow us, and we'll follow number 15. Like opposing defenders, follow him into the end zone. I just found that kind of funny. But they just tweeted out that a minute seven left to go in the first half, and Marshall has yet to be targeted by Cutler. So Brandon Marshall killing it up in Chicago. Um, yeah. Uh, they're going to follow him into the end zone just to watch him drop the ball. Oh, they left that part <laughs> off. Sorry. <laughs> Mike Ferreira, is, uh, he's uh, enjoying this officiating crew. He thinks that they've been all over everything so far tonight. Um, yeah. He, I didn't think the officiating crew did that bad last week. I don't think so. There were a few blown plays across the league. Um, I, I really think that a lot of what we hear about how bad these replacement refs are is the same stuff that we complain about the normal refs doing, but because these are the replacement refs, it makes it easier to target them. But They're learning. I mean, you have to think it's an entire officiating crew full of rookies. Most of these guys call college rules and stuff, so they're they're learning and they'll get there. And yeah, and well, if, I think if, in a way that actually helps helps the the situation with the regular refs. Yeah. Because if these guys come out here and are terrible, that strengthens the the refs union's position. Say, hey, you know, your product is suffering because going out there. If these guys come out here and call the games well. 
the points you don't you don't remember or notice that they're <laughs> replacing the rest. And those guys are like, hey, you, know, you can sit out all you want to. We got we're doing the NFL can say that you know we're doing fine right now with what we got, and I think we we will see a revolution shortly thereafter. Yeah, I think you're right. I think every week that goes by, and the refs don't uh, don't blow up a game, that it helps the NFL just a little bit more. Got another couple tweets in about uh, who's going to lead the Dolphins with receptions this week. Um, got a heart line, and then I got an answer from Craze Dolphin. Uh, if the Dolphins want to wreck the Raiders, give the ball to Lane. I'm okay with that, too. But it's uh, good stuff. Okay, we haven't talked about it yet because we didn't have the the podcast last week with Blog Talk Radio being down. Um, What do you guys think of the new logo? I like it. I like it. Yeah, I I, I think it came out really well. Um, I haven't been in the thread on for this podcast lately. Do we have people in there talking? I want to see what they have to say about uh, the new logo. What do you guys think? Besides some of the comments that we had in the reveal <laughs> thread. Finn's fan A. <laughs> he, he, when I was talking about uh, how Sperano won't ever be Belichick, but he could have that type of disappearing act and then come back. Vince Fan A wrote, also, Sperano doesn't film coaches' defensive signals. Well, that's true. <laughs> Marshall will blame Cutler for his bad stats. He didn't throw to him will be his excuse. That's true. But if you're in the uh, live thread, Cutler. let us know what do you think of the new logo. Okay, go on. In Cutler's defense, it's hard to throw to Brandon Marshall when you're running for your life about every other play. That's true. Uh, yeah, his offensive line looks looks rough. Which kind of goes back to Jake Long and this desire to get rid of him because he's going to be expensive, and we should have selected Matt Ryan instead of Jake Long. But would Matt yeah, Ryan even still be alive if we didn't have Jake Long? If if Jake Long hits free agency, I, you know. I don't think there's a unit of time fast enough to to <laughs> describe how fast Chicago is going to pick up his phone and just and just say, here are the keys to whatever bank they use. Here's a blank check. Write any number you want to <laughs> on it and display for us, please. Uh, you know, I can see that happen. I can see that happen with lots of teams, but uh, these teams, especially crushed by people with their offensive lines as bad as it is, you know, it, they say, uh, Jake Long, we'll, we'll see you later. He won't walk out of the building without his cell phone ringing. Yeah. Uh, that's how that's how fast you know, I think Chicago would pick him up. And what would be even worse is if Atlanta picked him up, then, you know, they have Ryan <laughs> and Jake Long. Oh, uh, And then, the, then that will also be Jeff Ireland's fault. Yeah. But well, if Jeff Ireland's not here and then whoever the new guy comes in, and let him go. I don't. It still be Jeff Ireland's fault. I don't know. Well, uh, it's either Jeff Ireland or uh, Chad Henney's fault. Yeah, and, and Ted again. 
is in there somewhere. Ted Ginn, yeah. But I do have a post that I need to put up on the site, and I owe it to SB Nation quickly. Um, or I'll talk to you guys, and maybe I'll just use your guys' answer and totally ignore our readers because, well, yeah, that sounds like something I would do. <laughs> Sorry, readers. Thank you for listening. Thank you for reading. Um, they want to know who is our most what, – how does, what is it? Cult followed and cult hated player of all time. So I immediately wrote back and said, okay, does it have to be a player? Because if it can be a coach, I already have the hated one. And they said, yeah, coaches are fine. So Saban takes the hated one off the, right off the top. But who do you guys think is the cult-loved player, no matter what they do or anything like that? The obvious is Marino, but it's got to be I, – I don't know if that fits the bill. I mean, that's so obvious. Yeah, I think I think that that's the right answer, but I think they're going for somebody that is not that star type guy. Um, well, maybe Zach Hockey. Thomas. Zach could be a good one. Um, Mad well, Dog. In, in in recently in recent Dolphins, I want to say Greg Camarillo. Um, simply for that one touchdown in 2007. Yeah. I mean, here's a guy that if if that had never happened, this is just some bridge and off the street. If you were playing Madden or whatever. You're like, I'm not picking this guy, but Dawson's fans love him and would love to have him on the team. If we re-sign him right now, you know, that's not going to make our wide receiving core that much better, but fans would love it because of that. They're like, this guy is great. They love – it doesn't matter what he does. They're going to love yep. him because of that one catch. The Saints signed him today, by the way. Mm-hmm. What about but, Pennington? Oh, Chad Pennington's a good one. Um. I don't know. What about I Ricky? See that, Ricky. There's, R- Ricky's Ricky's too uh, controversial for some people. Some people but, just still can't get over. Can't. Up and but quit. think of how many did. And by the way, today is Devon Best's birthday. The Dolphins just tweeted that out. So happy birthday to uh, Devon Best. So back to Ricky. Um, Rick, Ricky's an interesting one because. He he could he could answer both. You know who it was <laughs> when I was a kid. It was probably Don Strock. Ooh, that's a good one too. Yeah, because who didn't Reg- love Don Strock back in the eighties? Reggie Roby. Reggie Roby was yeah. greatness too. Rest in peace. It could be Reggie Roby. I like Reggie Roby as the answer. <laughs> um, that's a good question. I like that question a lot. Um, Trace Armstrong. Yeah. I don't think I don't think he'd follow into the cult level. How about John? So I think, how about John Offerdahl? Oh, that's a really good one. What were you going to say, Chris? I was going to say for the hated category. Yeah, I know Saban's got it right now, but Jeff Allen's working his way. Oh, he is. He uh, definitely is. And, I mean, I don't. We never flew a plane or protested for Nick Saban, so um, 
I think I mean, if he stays another year and, and we don't draft what everybody wants to where our team doesn't look as good next year, you know, there's gonna be serious outrage. So he he could work he could work his way and, and weasel his way ahead of of uh of of saving in the hated category. Not for me. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, well, I, not for me either. But I think Saban will. I think Saban will still top Ireland because I think that either two things are going to happen. Either the Dolphins are going to start winning at some point here shortly, and everybody's going to just forget about Jeff Ireland, and nobody's going to care who the GM is really anymore, or they're going to fire him, and we're going to move on, and nobody's going to care about Jeff Ireland anymore. I just, I think he, I really think the reason that he is the target is because Sperano and Parcells are gone. So those two are gone, which leaves Ireland as the lone man standing from the past four years. But we'll see. Should be interesting. I think, uh, I think I've, I've seen, I know, James, you've you've put this out there that a ten loss season somewhere around there could mean Ireland's gone. I know Omar has talked about it a little bit that Ireland could be on his way out, and it's been um, it's been reported now that uh, Stephen Ross has said that hey, I expect a winning season, and everybody sees that as Ireland could be on the hot seat. But I really think that he has at least another year here because of Tannehill. Well, my my, my theory, my theory that, that I wrote was that if he if we win like two or three games, then there's probably a lot of pressure for Ross to fire him. Even then, he may survive. Who knows? But that's the most probable. Yeah. You know. My theory was if he wins more than six, then no matter what, he's 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 safe. But yeah. I don't think he's gone unless. You know, we win two games or three games or, you know, one game or something. Just We just have just a ridiculously bad season. I don't even think Ross, you know, See, entertains what, what the idea of letting him go. What gets me is you have to – I mean, uh, Peyton Manning won three games his rookie year. So even if you do get the right quarterback, that first year can be painfully miserable. So I don't know. And I think it depends on the type of losses too. I mean, if we have, if we're six and ten, and you know, four or five of those ten losses were by touchdown or less, and it was close, kind of like how last year was in some games. You know, I think he might have survived that. If every game's thirty to ten that we lose, and we're you know something like that, then I could see that being a difference. But if it's close, and this is one of those man, the Dolphins really could have pulled that out. But we were so close, kind of games. Then you know yeah. I, I I would see that as a as a positive thing and they might keep him, you know if, if that was top two. <laughs> Armando just po- just tweeted out, Brandon Marshall no catches in the first half tonight. I say over under on the number of items he's throwing or punting in the locker room at one point five. <laughs> 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 I like that, <laughs> but yeah I. But, uh, go on. One thing about the Ireland thing that. I saw that on on the post. Is uh, I don't know where I read this, and it may have been on the Finsider, it may have been a tweet or something else. I don't remember, but that uh, I think his name is Brian Gain, who is 
in some position with the Dolphins is kind of like an up-and-coming type guy. And since he's already there, if we do have a bad season, you know, Ross might say, hey, you know what, we've got, you know, we've got the heir apparent to, you know, we've got the next guy in waiting over here. Let's go ahead and just move him up. Ireland, you're gone. Since he's already with the organization. What do you guys think about that? Is it, I don't know. I, I, th- I think the fans are going to scream and yell about that if that happens. Um, I think at some point Ross is going to want to appease the fans because even though he's a fan, he still wants to sell tickets. He's still a businessman. And I mean, do, do you think our fans are going to are going to buy into that guy any more than they buy into Ireland? The ones that are mad at Ireland that that is because they're they're just going to say, look, that guy's his underling. They're going to want some big name. Yeah, that's just how that's just how it is. I, I think I think that's where they'd have to go. They'd have to completely clean house. Uh, yeah, and that, I think that is absolutely the worst thing that uh, I think that is absolutely the worst thing that could happen for the Dolphins right now is to have to gut the front office. Um, not because Ireland deserves to stay. I I'm still. At the, I think he's done a decent job since Parcells has gone away. Um, but it's the same attitude that I had with Sperano. If the team fires him, okay, I understand it. If the team decides that they want to keep him, okay, I understand that too. I'm not a, uh, I'm not committing one way or the other. But I think if they did fire him, they'd have to gut it, which would then lead to. Um, would lead to more instability within the team and at this point we need to just stabilize for a few years and see what works out picked up a couple yeah. answers on twitter on the uh on the colt following player uh jim jensen brian cox aronde gadston nat moore um i thought of one lusaka polite I mean, it's a recent yeah. one, but the Lusaka monster, I mean, think about it. When we were playing in the preseason against Atlanta, we were all happy to see him on the field. Lusaka has a chance to be in that list, too. I may have to do a poll on this tomorrow. Because, <laughs> yeah, we, we've we've got to. I've got to get an answer into SB Nation, but, hmm. Hmm. It's an interesting question. Yeah, I, I completely agree with the, the whole stability thing. Uh, if we get, if we go out and find a new GM now, you know, I think in a sense, you know, looking at it from a football standpoint, I think when we kept Ireland this year and hired a new coach with him, I think, I think in my opinion, that should lock in with this new coach. I think Philbin and Ireland are now tied together. Oh, Tim Ruddy. Ireland. Sorry. Good answer, Tim Ruddy. Hmm. Okay. You're gonna go that way, then you gotta go Dwight Stevenson, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Brock Marion. I mean, come on. Brock yeah. Marion and O. J. McDuffie, two names that just popped up. Yeah, we're 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 just gonna talk all over you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Chris. <laughs> okay, keep going. I was going to say, I think that kind of locks him in with Philbin because 
if you, you know, new people, if you hire a new gym, he might want to bring in his whole, you know, a new coaching staff, and which might mean a new quarterback. So at this point, you'd be kind of like, it's like, you know, if you're going to get rid of Ireland after this year, you know, in my opinion, that'd be a mistake. You should have done it either last year and got new people to come in all the way around, or you need to let Ireland stick it out with Philbin for, you know, at least two more years, see how this Tannehill thing works. And if it does work great, if not, then you clean house from top to bottom at that point. Right. I know a lot of Dolphins fans don't want to hear that because they want instant results. Yeah. But I think you're going to – you are being more detrimental to tear it apart piece by piece like you did if you're not going to completely – especially from the GM position, you know – He's the one that brought in this coach. He's the one that's getting the players for this new coach. If you get rid of him and the new guy comes in who wants to run, you know, uh, a different type of offense, this, you know, different things, and, and the philosophies don't mesh, the next thing you know we're getting a new coach, a new quarterback, and we're basically just wasted two to three years. Yeah, I think you're. I think that's it exactly. I think um, the the fan base as a whole sees – Ireland as the GM Ray Finkel. <laughs> Ray Finkel. Nice. Okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> the uh, the fan base sees Ireland as the GM that led us into the past four years, but when you take Parcells out of out of the equation, Ireland has been a completely different GM. So, in essence, we did gut and clean house and let Ireland pick his coach rather than Parcells pick the coach. Because it was Parcells that wanted Sperano. So, granted, Ireland and Sperano were together in Dallas, but would Ireland, if he were just made the GM and said, hey, help us pick a coach, would he have taken Sperano? I don't know. Nobody will ever know. So this is the coach that Ireland has picked that we know for sure Ireland has picked. This is the only the second draft that we know for sure Ireland has picked the players. This is only the second free agency period that we know Ireland has picked the players. So in essence, we did gut because Parcells because yeah. Parcells is gone, but yeah, it'll be interesting. And I, and I think the, the fans, need, you know, they need to have the, the patience with that because if Tannehill doesn't become a franchise quarterback, we're going to know fairly soon. You know, by his third year, we're going to know pretty much what what he is. Most people say that you can tell what a quarterback is going to do after about 30 starts. Well, he, you know, he's going to get 32 by next year, you know, barring an injury or something. So we're going to pretty much know what Tannehill can or cannot become at that point. If we're still not winning games, we're six and ten at the end of that, you know, then you got the team, you kinda of start all over. Yeah, fans don't want to hear that, but at least you are starting fresh. If you do it now, in my opinion, you're wasting another two years on top of that. Because yeah, maybe Ken Hill gets one more year, but then this new person wants a new quarterback or whatever they're gonna do and it might just start the process over and you're and you're wasting more time. Just let in my opinion, let this play out with Ireland now, and if it doesn't work, then 
completely do the whole thing. Don't do it piece by right. piece because you're you're just wasting more of your team's time that way. Exactly. I think if you're going to do it, it's going to be gut everybody and start over. And yeah, I think I think we have to live through where we are right now, and uh, we'll see how we come out in three or four years. Yep. Um. Answered, I put up on Twitter, does Lusaka Polite count? Um, got an answer back that from, uh, let's see, at Aussie Fanatic, Blake Smith, at Aussie Fanatic, um, saying, uh, I don't know, he had a big following, but it didn't last long. I still see lots of people talking about Gadsden. Aranda's not a bad choice. Um I got another person saying, no doubt, it's got to be Jim Jensen. I still think uh, Mad Dog is probably a good one. Um, although, I, I'd i say Mad Dog, but is he a cult following because of being a player or because of being an announcer? I think it's probably because he was an announcer. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'll probably put up a poll first thing tomorrow morning. Thinking, oh, that's a good one. Man, I'm going to have to write these down so I can put them on the poll. Irving um, Fryer. Irving Fryer, Keith Byers. Um, I'm going to play, um, I don't know what you want to call it, but gatekeeper, I guess, on who can make the nominations. Because, yeah, Zonka would make a lot of sense, but he's also a star, Hall of Fame, Ring of Honor, retired number type. So guys like that I got to pull out. But let's see, Fryer, we said, Gadsden. Byers, um, Roby, uh, Jensen. This Joey. must make. This must make Off- Joey Porter. Is that who you said? Offered all. See, Porter would be on the hated side, I think. Offered all. <laughs> um, Strzok. Stoyanovich. Yeah. Pete. Strzok. Dojanovic. You just got put most Dolphins kickers on there, didn't you? Yeah, you probably could. <laughs> I mean, even, even Carpenter has a little cult following. Yeah, DC Money definitely does. <laughs> no, you Yvonne Shaman? DC Money. <laughs> <laughs> I've got I've got his autograph somewhere. That's funny. Do you really? Oh, yeah. Um, how about Garrow? Premium. <laughs> <laughs> um, DC money. Um, it's interesting. I got Reggie Bush just now. I don't think I can. I don't think I'd put Reggie on there. No, he's. I think he's too much enough. of a star. I think people know him too much. Chad Chad Pennington's got to be on there, even if he just for that oh, one year what he did. There's a good one. John Denny. 
Yeah. I don't know how that guy continues to be on this team after like 87 different coaching changes. I mean, <laughs> he, he plays a long snapper. Come on. Don't those guys all make like minimum, but they they play like 20 years, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, but it's just like he's the long snapper. Really? <laughs> he has and one he job. Probably, but, he was probably the guy that broke the players' union rep curse, too. Yes. Because like three or four straight years, the players' union rep was the guy that got cut the next year, and he survived that. Yeah. Somebody's uh, arguing, and, Lego Souls is arguing against Fryer, saying he was a star on the Patriots, so he shouldn't count. Well, a lot of those guys, I mean, you know, Keith Byers was a star, you know, for the Eagles. I mean, a lot of those guys came from other teams. Yeah. You know, Lasak and Polite, all those guys have played somewhere before they got to us. It's just a lot of them, anyhow. Yeah, Camarillo is getting my vote. Camarillo. Camarillo could win that. Camarillo is another one that started somewhere else. of that one catch. I mean... That one catch could mean a lot. Ooh, what about um? Damn. I just completely blanked on his name. Larry Izzo. Uh. Yeah. You guys don't like <laughs> the Izzo one? No. Oh. I think as he left and went to the pass, it always left a bad taste. <laughs> okay. Well, Jason Taylor went to the Jets. Yeah, but. That's Jason Taylor. <laughs> he, he gets an exemption. <laughs> he also came back and he did re- retired triumphantly with the Dolphins. So now we just have to talk him out of retirement. <laughs> yeah. I mean, could you could you include Jay Fiedler simply for the fact that he's possibly the best quarterback we've had since Moreno? He he could That's go sad. on there, but he just yeah exactly. When you go back and look at his stats, he actually had a decent career. But he he won't get the votes because people look at him and go, he sucked because he wasn't Marino. He didn't suck. He just he, he was one of those guys that wouldn't lose games for you, but he couldn't win them for you on his own. Right. Was... Right. And he he, he had a habit of, throwing the interception at exactly the wrong time. But, I mean, I I 100% uh, – he'll, he'll always have that moment on the the first game after September 11th. I mean, he made Sports Illustrated cover with it. So, and I was there. Sorry. <laughs> but – I always thought he was the guy that'd go into coaching because he was. He, yeah, you know, he really he had. A, have. He really had a good football mind. He just wasn't physically. Right. What you, what you he want? Was, he was CP ten. He was Chad Pennington. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's what he was. He was Chad Pennington before Chad Pennington. But the Dolphins weren't in a position to want a Chad Pennington. Us as a fan base were waiting for Dan Marino part two. And yeah. nobody gets a star quarterback to follow a star quarterback unless you're the 49ers or the Colts. Uh, or the Packers. Yeah, or the Packers. Good call. Or the Patriots. Because as much as we hated him, 
Drew Bledsoe was a good quarterback. I never hated Bledsoe. Oh, I mean, I hated Bledsoe. He always seemed like a decent guy. He did. He did. And it, it wasn't a, I actually hate the man, but I hated him because he was the Patriots quarterback. And he was really that one quarterback that could go toe-to-toe with Marino and actually out-throw him. Now, granted, it was early in Bledsoe's career while it was late in Marino's career, but those were always great games, though. I mean, true shootout games. Yeah, but when when Bledsoe fizzled out, man, he fizzled out fast. He did. He did. But Patrick Sertan just came up. Oh, yeah. Man, let's see. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 so far. Whoever wins the poll tomorrow is going to have like 3% of the vote because it's going to be spread out over so many players. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lego Souls put, um, I liked Fiedler. But I'm picking. If I'm picking a quarterback hero, it would be Strock. That's true. Um, Finn's fan A said Pennington over Strock for the young guys. Yeah, they don't have any point of reference. Um, Strock is a good uh, one. It, it of course it's a good question because we we have we obviously have those huge stars, but. At the same time, we have a lot of solid players. I mean, hell, we have the no-name defense. The defense of no names. Come on. We we have a lot of guys that it's no names. Oh. <laughs> Just to report, um, yeah. Brandon Marsh will drop the touchdown pass. Whoa, what? No. Yeah. And then uh, – they were on the bench, and Cutler walked over and sat down beside him and kind of patted him on the head. You know, that, well, you know, it's all right. And he and, and Marshall had the look, like, man, I can't believe this. But I watched it. It was not a bad pass at him. I mean, perfectly in the hands. It wasn't a fingertip catch. It was, you know, you're getting paid millions of dollars. You need to make this catch, kind of catch. <clears throat> And he's still catchless for the night. God, Brandon Marshall. <laughs> uh, so who all had Cutler, Marshall, or Forte for their fantasy team tonight? Yeah, if you had uh, one of those guys for your fantasy team, may not be a, may not be a good week for you. <laughs> Maddie, Maddie just tweeted out, seriously, there may not be a more overrated wide receiver this past decade than Brandon Marshall. I mean, he's got such physical talent and physical ability to be such a dominant receiver. I haven't read today uh, Bill Simmons <laughs> got his picks for the week, and he said that uh, he said there are three receivers right now that when you watch them, they just jump off the screen because they're bigger and faster than everybody. So that's Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones, and Brandon Marshall. Uh, but 
you know, for a guy with his 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 talent, his ability, and that size, I mean, he could he could be, you know, he could be in, in Calvin Johnson's kind of league in terms of, of production. He's not going to be as fast as him, um, but you know, he just he, he's just so inconsistent. And I, I don't know if that comes from the fact that he's, you know, just got these off the field kind of issues or what. But it, it's maddening to see somebody with that kind of that kind of talent just, you know, not come through all the time. Twitter is having some fun right now. Um, we have uh, – okay, so you don't just drop Chad Henney's balls. I thought it was just him, Brandon. Uh, <laughs> you Bears fans see that failed pass to Marshall in the end zone? That happened all the time in Miami. Um, just wait until the Pro Bowl, haters. Hashtag those TDs count double, right? <laughs> That's the Brandon Marshall I know. Hashtag he drops TDs. Yeah. <laughs> um Yeah, this is uh interesting. Oh, and Matt Forte is heading to the Bears locker room, according to Trey Wingo. But uh, <laughs> Finn's fan A he posts in the live thread. Marshall dropped a touchdown using the uh, ever infamous um, sarcasm box. Shocking! So Lego Souls replies, "It was Henny's fault." <laughs> David Woodley. Yeah, no. Jim Kick. Jim Kick, okay, not Woodley. See, Kick is on the borderline between qualifying and being overqualified for the position. Just because just because of the exposure that he got for being with Sanka. Right. He he, he would be right there, but I don't know, I don't I don't see I see him as more of a star than some of these other guys on the list. I still think Camarillo is a great answer. I think I'd have I think I'd have to split try to split my vote, which obviously in the poll I can't, but between Camarillo and Reggie Roby. He's a cult hero based on one single play. One single that. play. That's probably yeah. that that probably should make him the the answer just because it was that one play. I mean, the entire yeah. 2007 season came down to that one play. But I mean, I mean, of all the, you know, to me when I think of a, a cult following, it's a guy who just like people love for no good reason, and uh, but not because he was a star, but just you know that that one particular little thing, right? And that was it. I mean, yeah. and, and of course, the next season he made the catch with his rear end down in Atlanta, but still. That's when, true, when, too. When you, think, when you hear Greg Camarillo, the first thing Dolphin fans will think of was him streaking down the, the sideline, scoring that touchdown, fans crying because we were 1-15 instead of 0-16. Oh yep. You know, and he, he's always going to be a hero because of that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's that's, yeah. Because, I mean, if, if you saw him on the street, if you're walking down the street and you saw Greg Camarillo, you, you, one of your first responses besides, hey, that's Greg Camarillo, is going to be, thank you, man. Just thank yep. 
And, and, and if you if you weren't wearing Dolphin gear, he's not going to know why. But you know that's what that's what you'd say. You'd say, "Thank you, man, because because of you, that we didn't have to endure that. You're the man." And and he he earned that because of that. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think you're right. I'm 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 putting it up on Twitter again. I just put uh Greg Camarillo seems to be taking the lead. Who is your favorite who is your Colt favorite Dolphins player? I think uh Yeah, I think Camarillo may be it. Um, it's interesting. So, look for that tomorrow on the site tomorrow morning. And I'll send in my answer to SB Nation tomorrow afternoon, I guess. Um, that'll take that. Kick was selfless, though. You're right. Kick was. Um, and he did technically, I guess, become a third running back because it really became Zonka and Mercury Morris for a good long time there with Kick just sort of being the guy in the background. But I don't know. I think Camarillo is a better choice because I think I think Camarillo fits the definition better. I think you're right, Chris. I think Camarillo fits the definition better. But. Because it seems like all these other guys were either good players or you know they had they had they had a following or they were part of something like that. I mean, Camarillo is just some guy that. You know, he's not special anyway. It's just that moment made him a Dolphins fan favorite forever. You know, if we'd gone four and twelve that season and he makes that catch, nobody remembers, nobody cares. Uh, is you know, he saved us from from being zero and sixteen, and and that just you know, just earned him that spot. In my opinion. Forte is out with an ankle injury. Return is doubtful. Um, they should have yep. It looks like somebody rolled over on it or something. That's just what the <laughs> Bears needed. <laughs> Matt Forte headed to the locker room, diagnosed with an entire offense on his back. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty funny. Uh, okay. Well, I I, uh, I I like that. I like. I know that it's probably not the most. Um, intriguing discussion that we've ever had on the site or on the podcast, but I really enjoyed trying to figure out who's going to be this cult guy. And it's probably something that would have <laughs> Finn's fan A, thank you. <laughs> Tom Brandsetter. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. That's a that's a good answer. Uh, we did pick up a we did just pick up a Ray Finga how do you say his name? Finga? Finga? however you say his name we did just pick up a, an answer for him on Twitter too that's a good one because he has picked up a cult following Um, but yeah how about, how about a guy that never played an actual down for us Chris Hogan Oh, that's true. 
he had a cult following. He did. He did. I. What about Les Brown? Ah, uh, yeah. How could you not like that kid? And I mean, I I'd be the first one in line in that one. I love Les Brown. I hope they bring him back to training camp next year. I do too. I hope he works on it. Uh, ooh, that's a good one. At Justin Geik. I don't know if I mispronounced your name. I'm sorry if I did. Um, what about uh, Earl Morrill? Because mm. he's without him, and, there is no perfect season. That's exactly what Greasy always says. Exactly, and Greasy is in the Hall of Fame, and Dan Marino is in the Hall of Fame, and Earl Morrill is the quarterback that was really good for this team, but everybody forgets. I mean, it was at the end of his career, obviously, and Shula got him from Indy, but it's a that's a good one too. I still think that uh, that my answer is Camarillo, but I might put Moral onto the the thing as well onto the poll. I, I think it's positive though that you know we're discussing you know how, how many of these guys can be you know, cult favorites as opposed to guys that would be hated. Because um, if it were me. And, well, you know, if we were Jets fans, on the other hand, I'm sure they could probably round up a few guys that were cult favorites. But how many of those guys would be like, you know, I hated this guy, I hated this guy? Uh, you know, so at least we've got a, a, enough players in our history that we can, you know, we're not debating who we dislike the most. We kind of know who that is. That was, you know, fairly easy. We've got all these guys, that, you know, that were did something good for us that was positive that we can look back look back on. So. I think that's a good thing. Aussie Fanatic. just intercepted again, by the way. Nice. Yep, Charles Woodson. Aussie Fanatic uh, just said that he forgot about Greg Camarillo, but we can't forget about Cleo Lemon either. <laughs> yes, we, yes, we can. Cleo <laughs> <laughs> Lemon. Cleo Lemon. Gosh. Yeah, the perfect last name. <laughs> God. Um, I will say, um, just got one for Jake Long, and I won't put Long on the thing because he's too much of a star. I mean, he's number one overall pick, four-time Pro Bowler, all pro. I'm not going to include him. But I will say, you guys saw my pictures um, from this Houston game on the site, and I know Jake Long is a large man. I mean, I know he's a big guy, but he didn't stop when we tried to flag him down. He looked a little ticked off, so I'm not surprised he didn't stop. But when he walked past me, that man is giant. Like, in my head, I knew he was giant. But when he's actually standing right next to you or walking right past you, it's unbelievable how big that man is. It's just amazing. And, um... Richie Incognito came over, and he signed the sign for my son, and he is so much smaller than I would have said simply because I just saw Jake Long like the minute before. So it was like, oh, my God. Wow, Jake Long is a big man. (laughs) I just wanted to share that with you all. I'll probably never get a chance to be next to him again, but, man, that guy is big. (laughs) 
Yeah, I think it's that the whole you know when you watch the NBA or any professional sport like this, and he's, all the people there are relatively similar sized, so you don't you can't see the perspective of just right. how big. Right. when some guy like uh, what's that little guy from Denver a couple of years ago, Denver Nuggets, Earl something or other, like five eight, and he's out yeah. there, and then you see these other guys standing beside him, and you're like, wow, this guy's really big. When you realize how little he is. And that's something I noticed when I went to that game because that's the closest I'd ever been to, you know, NFL players. And the guy that really stood out for me was um, Bruce Campbell from the Panthers. He's offensive tackle. He was drafted a couple years ago. He's six six, three twenty, I believe. He ran a four seven five forty. Threw up thirty five or thirty six reps of two twenty five, and he looked. I mean, he's the kind of guy that would. Stop traffic if you saw him walking down the street. He's that big. I mean, he com- comparatively to the rest of the offensive lineman, he made them look like normal individuals. And I was like, wow, that's just a a big dude. And I never got close enough to Jack Long to see that. And I he was there with he was there with uh, he, I saw him walk out, and he was there with the other lineman. So it was, again, it was that whole perspective thing. Like he was big, and you knew he was big, but you kind of saw him with those. I didn't get to see him up close like you did, but. Right, and those guys are just huge people. It's just amazing, and 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 how they can move like that from being that big. Most people I know yeah. are that big or clumsy and stuff. I wish I wish I could remember it. There was a kid I was watching. I can't even remember which teams it, teams I was watching, but it was college football. I think maybe even been high school. No, I think it was college football game. The past couple weeks, and they showed a kid who was 6'10 and 330, 340, somewhere in that neighborhood. But his entire team, he goes to the sideline and he stands behind everybody. And you can still see like the top of his numbers over everybody's head. And it's like, oh my God, that dude is just, it's not right. First off, why is he not playing basketball? Secondly, it's just not right. I mean, yeah. if they can turn him into a tight end, just let him go down the field and turn around, throw the ball as high as you can. He'll get it. <laughs> yeah. One thing that I saw regarding Long and that was uh, there is a store in Boone. It's a sports store that carries mostly uh, Appalachian State gear. And at some point during the season, they have a, a TV up in the middle of the store that plays nothing but the App Michigan game. Yeah, and I happened to walk in one time while they were doing pregame stuff, and they were doing the coin toss, and uh, and at, at the at Kibber Stadium where at plays, you can actually walk up when the players are walking out. You can walk next to, like you can stand there and they got a little sense of you can get right next to these guys. Right. Yeah, some of these guys are pretty big. We've got a guy that's like six. He's a three four defensive end. He's six six two eighty. I mean, he's a big guy, but. Yeah, here's these offensive linemen walk by, and you're like, oh, these guys aren't that big or whatever. They don't they don't feel that big there. Well, they show this in the pregame at Michigan, and Jake Long is a captain. And here's Apps, you know, top guys, and he is shoulders, head and shoulders above every one of them. I was like, oh, my gosh. And I saw that, and, of course, you know, you didn't think about it then. And the first thought that went through my mind was, I'm glad that guy's a dolphin because he's just – he just looks so monstrous compared to those guys. And those were, you know, football players that I stood next to. I knew what they looked like. So I was like, wow. But, yeah, I just kind of – I saw that and I wanted to share 
that as far as you know talking about that. But I like to I like to experience that. I think it would be fun to stand next to a human being that's that big. Yeah. Um, is it? Shoot, I just went out of the thread. Who was it? Um, yeah, it was Lego Souls. He said the largest person he's ever stood next to was Patrick Ewing. He was scary. And Lego Souls is 6'2", and he can gulf him with his palm. So Patrick Ewing was 7? Was he 7-footer? Yeah. So, yeah, that'd be a big man. Yeah. But um, last thing before, I guess we probably need to uh, end the show since we're well over 90 minutes now. Um, Jorge Sedano from the Sedano Show on Twitter just uh, tweeted out, where's at Omar Kelly after that Marshall drop? Show yourself, Omar. The the truth shall set you free. Hashtag Brandon Marshmallow Hands. Brandon Marshmallow Hands. (laughs) I thought that was kind of nice. But guys, thanks for calling in. Um, to all our callers that didn't happen this week, call in next week. Remember, the show will be on Wednesday next week. It will not be on Thursday anymore. We're going to move to Wednesday to make room for NFL football on Thursday nights. Um, Hopefully, if you uh, didn't listen to us live, you'll remember to either check us out on Blog Talk Radio or download us in iTunes. Not that you can hear this because you didn't listen to the show, but hey, maybe you'll figure it out somehow. I don't know. But I like how I'm advertising to download us because you didn't hear us, but it's on the show, so how would you hear it? Hmm. I think we should make predictions for this week before we go. Okay. Well, then, fine. Go ahead and ruin my closer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm say the Falcons win 2410. That's my pick. 2410. James? Um, I'm thinking probably more like 13 to 10 or 17 to 10. Miami? Yes. I'm going... See, I already did this once, and I want to change my score now. I'm going to go 24-20. 24-20 Dolphins. I think it'll be close, but I think Miami has enough to be able to put away a team that is coming off a 10 o'clock start last Monday to a 1 p.m. start this week, traveling across the country and wearing black in Miami. So there's enough there to make it a uh, make it worthwhile. Um, guys, thanks for listening. You too. Thank you for calling in. Thank you for uh, making it not just me babbling for an hour. Um, and I do like the word babble. If by now you guys listening have not caught on that I use that word a lot Uh, like I said we're going to move to Wednesday night starting next week so make sure you follow us to Wednesday nights I feel like we're that random TV show that's changing times (laughs) but um, last thing is guys uh, we talked about it briefly with the launch of the new logo there are lots of changes getting ready to come to the site so you'll see them coming here shortly um it's it's going to be it's going to be dramatic. It's going to be it's going to be do a lot of great things for the site. It's going to help us out a lot and it's going to be able to help us bring you guys better content. But 
expect there to be some bugs over the next couple weeks as we start to transition to it. Um, I know earlier this week there were a couple hours there where nobody could get on the site. So stay with us. We're, we're, you, you will definitely know when the change happens, but just understand that if there are bugs to be worked out, that's what we're trying to do, and we will get it up and running as quickly as we can. So thanks, guys, for listening, and everybody have a good weekend, and hopefully we'll come away with a win this week. Good night, guys. Good night. Good night. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hello, I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? <laughs> and why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. <laughs> We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find us anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.